Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Saturday and welcome into Arrowhead Pride's best of the week. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com and we are getting ready to welcome in the Dallas Cowboys into Arrowhead Stadium, the late afternoon game on Sunday. This is the best of the Arrowhead Pride podcast network leading into what is being called the game of the year. We'll start with out of structure, Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner talk about the Chiefs' narrative change after their big win over the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll continue with the editor's show around the 12-minute mark. Myself and John Dixon will share our marinated takeaways from Sunday Night Football. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll go on with the Great British Chiefs show as they take their first look at the Dallas Cowboys. That's around the 27-minute mark. Show and BK detail why this game is so important. That's around the 39-minute mark. And we'll finish up by welcoming RJ Ochoa onto the podcast with the Arrowhead Pride interview series as he provides a unique look at what to expect from the Cowboys. That's around the 55-minute mark. It's a great show. We'll start again with Out of Structure. This is Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week. It's amazing how quick the national narratives have changed just after last night's victory and how <laughs> this team and, and the season maybe has, has turned on a dime. You know, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. I mean, I think there's a lot that, uh, still to happen in this in this uh, NFL season. And the Raiders as an organization are such a mess. You could chalk this one up and say this opponent just, you know, isn't right or isn't as good as they might have been advertised earlier in the season. But as far as I'm concerned, seeing an easy victory over any opponent the way this season has gone, that's a plus. Uh, seeing them have multiple phases of the game coming together at the same time, that's a big plus. So, you know, we'll take it. And and I think we should be happy and, and, and uh, enjoy this one, Chiefs fans, because, you know, there haven't been that many of these in, in recent weeks. So uh, enjoy it while you can. Now, there were some crazy statistics coming up uh, after this game, and I thought we could just talk through a few of our favorites here. You know, there's a lot of conversation early on in this season about how historically bad this defense was. And we felt like it was overblown at the time. And I think we both said, you know, there, there's been some unusual circumstances. One of them I thought was, was rushing quarterbacks and, and those, uh, uh, those quarterbacks that were able to run sort of destroyed the, the fits and the, and the way they were able to attack a game plan. There was also some players banged up that just weren't all in the lineup at the same time. Uh, now that this chief's defense seems to be coming together uh, there's some some of our friends on Twitter have pointed out some great stats. Uh, Blake Fitch, uh, B Fitch 24, points out the Chiefs have given up zero rushing touchdowns from week five to ten, uh, and that's a stat that you would have been floored to hear <laughs> earlier in the season, right? No doubt about it. Are you kidding me? Um, the rushing defense after the first two weeks of the season was like the his, like historically worst to ever play football. I mean, people were calling this defense 
you know, just embarrassingly bad and, and, you know, no part of the defense was good, but especially the rush defense. Right. And to go with that stat, actually stags, I have a few stats too. Um, I got a lot of stats actually today, but uh, we'll get into a few of them later. Bring the it rushing on. stat. The rushing stat that I have is, is pretty crazy, honestly. So take away uh, the first five weeks of the season since week six, the Chiefs have allowed only 88.2 rushing yards per game. That would be the fourth fewest amount in, you know, per game in the, in the NFL right now uh, over a full season. And actually, if you take away just the first two weeks of the season, it would be 92.7. And that would actually be the fifth lowest rate a team is giving up this season. So basically saying that the rush defense since week three has been as good as any in the NFL in terms of a per game um, total. And, and teams have been trying to run on them too. It's not like teams aren't, you know, teams are just, you know, throwing all over the, the yard against them. They've been trying to run the ball on them, especially because the Chiefs have been down in games or have just been tight in games. It's not like, you know, teams are just playing catch up and, and the Chiefs are still not allowing the run to, to, to go anywhere. So uh, the run defense, man, it, it's, it's impressive how, how good it's, it's, it's been. And not coincidence, uh, Nick Bolton has, has played better as, as the season has went on. It kind of tells you maybe why the run defense has been better. But it also goes back to that point we just talked about with the defensive line, how how strong those guys are playing in the middle, and and how it's really permeating the the defense. I, I think that's uh, I think that's a good proof point for that. There's also you know the other side of the line, the newly rebuilt Chiefs offensive line that still it, it strangely it seems like a lot of people haven't yet bought into that. There's still some questions about this offensive line that I've I've never understood because. To my eye, these guys have been fantastic all year, all season. But the the Raiders game was a nice example. Josh Dubo uh, at Josh Dubo AP on Twitter. The Raiders, uh, the Chiefs allowed the Raiders no sacks. Uh, this is the first time all season they've gone without a sack, and in a season low, three quarterback hits. The Raiders have been leading the league with eight and a half quarterback hits per game. The Chiefs allowed only three this week. So wow. this is a run-blocking offensive line. These are maulers that are just putting highlight reels with pancakes all over the field. And now all of a sudden, their pass blocking is coming together, even with their third string, their third string right tackle up against a pretty good pass rush against the Raiders. A really, really good performance there. Yeah, you say a pretty good pass rush from the Raiders. I mean, Max Crosby is literally leading the league in P in pressures and quarterback hits per PFF. And and Yannick Ngakwe wasn't far behind him. He was he was twelfth in the league in pressure. So that's about as good an edge rushing duo as you're going to get. And I was very worried about it going into the game. I I really was. I I, I thought it was going to be a very low scoring game because the Chiefs were just going to struggle to kind of overcome the pass rush just being a, a huge problem. I thought it was going they're going to have to run the ball a lot. No. Wiley Wiley held up and and you know one thing I didn't really think about before the game which is kind of funny is that they did go to college together they're kind of buddies uh, they both went to Eastern Michigan um, they they didn't like go there for a few years ago there's only one year they intersected but um, you know that that kind of stuff you know it, it matter, matters sometime maybe Wiley just kind of knows Crosby's moves you know a little bit and they kind of seem like it a little bit because Crosby was trying a lot of stuff and Wiley just seemed to kind of uh, shut it down so. Shout out Andrew Wiley for holding Crosby down pretty well. It wasn't a hundred percent of the time, but it was it was pretty damn good for a third string right tackle. Shout out Orlando Brown for performing pretty well against Ngakwe as well. He he had a really good game. It, it was really good to see Brown in pass protection. But I mentioned Mahomes. 
at the top helping the role players, the receivers, play better. Well, he absolutely helped the offensive tackles as well by playing on rhythm, like I mentioned, by having his drops only really get back to eight or ten, uh, you know, ten yards at the most. If not, he, he was sitting pretty tight at eight, it seemed like, which is really good to see. He's playing a lot com- more comfortable, and that tells us that he's trusting that offensive tackle duo a little more or maybe just trusting, you know, Brown a little more. Obviously, he hasn't been able to play with Wiley a lot. All that to say, you know, Mahomes – when he plays well, it's helping everybody else, and that includes the pass protection, which did look very good last night. But I think it's a product of both them and Mahomes. I think he played really well. This stat from Dan Orlovsky, I thought, illustrated that well. The Chiefs threw the ball 50 times. Of those 50 throws, one hitch or less 44 times. So that's Mahomes getting the ball out quick, 44 of his 50 pass attempts. And it worked. I mean, he took what was easy – um, he noted that the Chiefs had 254 yards after catch uh, on Sunday. And, he, and Orlovsky says that's what we've been looking for. Orlovsky's been out there saying that Mahomes was broken or that he was playing worse than, than most quarterbacks in the NFL up until this week. He was calling on how he sees it, and, and I, don't, I don't blame him for that. I think at the time he probably wasn't wrong, but – He's also quick to recognize when Mahomes is on track, when he's doing what it, what he's supposed to be doing. You know, he's he was playing in rhythm. He's getting the ball out quick. I mean, I, I don't know why it was so hard for them to do that prior to this game, but it was sure nice to see in this one. I heard the broadcast announcers say something to the effect of that Mahomes is playing the, the quarterback position in that game exactly how it's supposed to be played. He's taking what's there. He's in rhythm. He's accurate. He made it look so easy, and that was super refreshing to see. Yeah, and that's one thing that I, I want to make sure we acknowledge on the podcast uh, today is that let's if, if we really look back at it, look at every year of Mahomes' career, these stretches where he just does not look comfortable in the pocket, kind of just kind of looks panicky a little bit um, and, and just kind of is making plays happen out of a whim instead of in design of the play. You know, that's those are there have been stretches. And he's acknowledged this as much, uh, you know, in his press conferences this year. But there, these stretches have happened in his career almost every single season. And he always seems to come out of them at some point. He always seems to find that that comfort level, that confidence level all of a sudden to play stronger in the pocket, play taller in the pocket, kind of just deliver throws on time. You know, maybe even when it doesn't feel as comfortable, um, you know, in terms of pressure wise. But I, it just it, it does seem like we kind of. Uh, you know, a lot of people and, and, you know, including us, like you just mentioned, I think we all were kind of thinking it, but we all did a lot of national media members. I want to say did, it did seem like they kind of were just like, you know what, Mahomes is having a bad year. You know, let's just, you know, it, it happens sometimes, blah, blah, blah. I, I just feel like we, we, it, it, it did discredit his first four weeks of the season. And it also just like, didn't, didn't acknowledge the fact that these stretches have happened and he always seems to come out of them. And, and all it can take sometimes is, is a confidence builder, big game against your division rival that you've owned your entire career. Sometimes it all take that's all it takes uh, to, to get a little bit, you know, more comfortable back on track for the, for the rest of the games. And it, it really does feel like that was what happened last night is, is Mahomes getting back on track, getting more comfortable and, and starting, he's going to start playing while well moving forward. The stats for Mahomes, he, he broke a few more NFL records or, or extended some of his, um, his, his records here. He went for 400 yards five touchdowns for the third time in his career. That's a tie for the most of any player in NFL history. And he's 26 years old. So that's a, that's a pretty good stat there. Uh, Field Gates, uh, I think, reported that on Twitter, uh, amongst others. 
Also, he's one of 15 ever to do that without throwing an interception. So 400 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. It only happened 15 times. And he's the only player in NFL history to do that more than once. I think he did it last year uh, against the Jets. So there's so many of these stats. We can go on all day about uh, Patrick Mahomes. There's a NFL network pointed out. He now has 30 300-yard passing games, uh, which is the most in, in five seasons in NFL history. Um, so wow. Mahomes, Mahomes' numbers – you know, we're going to look back at the just like you said, those four, you know, four or five bad games that he had there. Um, we could very easily look and look back and forget that those even happened because his numbers are consistently good. I think he's still the NFL leader in passing. Is that right? Right now, passing yards. I think he's second in touchdowns, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, you know, statistically. You know, this may be just a blip on the radar. This may be one of those things that if they go on to make the playoffs and go on another run, uh, people are going to forget that he had uh, four or five bad games. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride editor show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, the Chiefs apparently, or it seemed like they righted the ship against the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday Night Football, 41-14 to win. A very impressive win which means we're going to have some very impressive marinated takeaways, our world-famous marinated takeaways. John, as always, you can take the oh, lead. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I have to start? Really? Okay. Well, There you go. I would just, I would just, I don't know if this is a marinated takeaway or not, but I, I, I feel that I need to say this. I am sorry. I am truly sorry hmm. that Lamar Hunt is not alive to see this week where uh, the Chiefs are coming off a big win against the Raiders. And then they're going to go on the road and play what some are now calling a Super Bowl preview against the Dallas Cowboys. This is this is Lamar Hunt's dream. This is the kind of thing that Lamar Hunt would dream about. Because, you know, he started the Texans because uh, he wanted to have a franchise in Dallas and they'd, they'd, they'd given it to somebody else. And so he started uh, another football league so he could have a, a franchise in Dallas. And he uh, always loved the opportunities the Chiefs had to play against the Cowboys and to play them in the regular season and have the game really count for something and coming off a big win against the hated rivals. This is the kind of stuff that Lamar Hunt lived for. And I'm just sorry he's not here to see it. And I, 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 I just had to get that out there someplace. Sorry. Oh, it's a good point. And it's it's a big game. I mean, it really could be yeah. a Super Bowl preview. I know we'll see that storyline a lot. But the Dallas Cowboys are coming off a huge win over the Atlanta Falcons, where it was not even close. I believe it was like 45 to three or something like that. So we have this game. It'll be on Fox. If you can't make it out to Arrowhead Stadium, 325 p.m. on Fox, getting the important game of the week. Uh, well-deserved treatment and to your point john there's a trophy for this game it dates mm-hmm. back to the days with the dallas texans yep. uh and the cowboys with you know texans were the original chiefs the preston road trophy up for grabs this weekend uh it was lamar hunt who established the trophy in 1989 because the owners of the teams lived on preston road the trophy is a um for lack of better terms pos it looks like a tree trunk <laughs> Uh, I read an article that it was made for less than $100, and it is a a tree trunk with Preston Road on it. There's a gold trim, 
and it's a traveling trophy. Right now, the Cowboys had it. Uh, Anthony Hitchens Cowboys actually beat the Chiefs the last time the Preston wow. Road trophy was up for grabs. And so the Chiefs Amazing. will try to try to get this back. Hitchens, here's a little Chiefs Cowboys nugget for you. Uh, on the Hill Mary at the end of the, the half where Tyree Kill mm-hmm. ran that wild it was almost like an undercutting Hail, Hail Mary where he ran. Anthony Hitchens was the last player to beat on the Cowboys for him to score the touchdown. I remember asking Anthony Hitchens about that. So that's a weird wow. nugget that I have. All right. Wow. Let's get it. Let's get into my marinated takeaway, John, from Chiefs and Raiders. And that is the fact that I thought for the first time this team showcased the power of complementary football in this game. Whereas, so the offense had an outstanding day. We know that five touchdowns from Mahomes, Daryl Williams explosion. Tyree Kill looked like he was back. Same thing with Travis Kelsey. The Chiefs were taking deep shots intermittently. They weren't hitting them all, but it was good to see them throw the throw a ball down the field like more than mm-hmm. once per game. Yeah. Right. The key to the game was not the offense. It was the sequence where Derek Carr was starting to gain momentum after the half and was about to turn this into a shootout. And it was a defensive play by Tyron Matthew, who tipped the ball that Deshaun Jackson caught and Rashad Fenton knocking it away. And the Chiefs were able to score off of that and really ruin the idea that this was going to be this boxing match, heavyweight fight with the offenses scoring. Because at that point, it really did feel like that. And so we had mentioned the defense on third down before. That was the play of the game to me. Regardless of everything that Patrick Mahomes did, that was the play of the night that kept the Chiefs going. That's the defensive side of the football helping out the offense with the offense playing that way. You also saw defensively Derek Carr pressing a little bit. I don't think the quarterback pressure was necessarily there consistently all game. We'll have to look into those numbers a little bit more. But it did seem like, okay, Carr looks kind of like Mahomes has looked some of these weeks where Mm -hmm. he was trying to force things, trying to get his team going. And that stemmed from the offensive side of the football, helping out the defensive side of the football. And then for the second week in a row, we got to talk about him. He loves shampoo. He loves having long hair. He loves popping it out of his, (laughs) his helmet, the special teams in, in the fake punt and having uncle Dave say, you know what, we're going to go for this. We're going to keep this drive going a beautiful pass to two guys who don't do it often. How often does Tommy Townsend throw a football? How often does Marcus Kemp get the opportunity right now to catch a football despite being a wide receiver on this team? And that kept the drive going that led to a touchdown. Complimentary football. It's football 101, but you can see the power of when the offense is rolling, how it helps the defense. How the defense is rolling, that helps the offense, and how special teams uh, can really make a difference in a game that could go either way. And so I just love seeing that, and I think that is the biggest part of what, in my mind, makes me think the Chiefs actually turned a corner more than singling out Daryl Williams or Kelsey or even you know one of these defenders who, who, who get, got a sack in this game. It is the fact that everyone shipped in. That's a championship team. It's not, it's not, not, it's not ever going to be individual performances. Well, you know, I think you make a very interesting point about the complimentary play, and it's occurred to me in the last few days that um, – uh, because the offense was struggling so much because Patrick Mahomes was in this slump over the last five games, the defense may have realized, oh, we've got to step this up. We have no choice. This is our our moment to step up and play better because the team really needs us to. And, you know, we saw this before. We saw this in 2019 when Patrick Mahomes was injured in that game against Denver and Matt Moore had to start a couple of games. And that was the moment that the defense chose to really turn it around. And I'm sorry that 
Sometimes the defense needs that kind of reminder that the offense needs their help more than they sh- than uh, than usual. But if it works, I don't care. I mean, it, you know, if this is what it took for the defense to to find their mojo and get their swagger back, uh, then I'm all for it. I'd have liked it a lot better if the defense had had that swagger from the beginning of the season. But as we saw in 2019, uh, it's possible for them to come back from that kind of a start and put together a championship season. So uh, I, I think you're making a very interesting point about the complementary football, and I would just add that that uh, maybe the offensive struggles uh, helped bring that around. All right, John, continue on with your next takeaway. Yeah, um, I thought it was interesting that the Chiefs have essentially returned to Alex Smith football Yeah, uh, in this game. Um, you know, everybody likes to say that Andy Reid runs the West Coast offense, but in recent years, he really hasn't. Uh, since Patrick Mahomes has been on the scene, it's been kind of a hybrid uh, West Coast offense. But when Alex Smith was the quarterback, it really was a West Coast offense where uh, you passed most of the time, and when you used running backs, it was mostly in the passing game. Um, you know, we saw a lot of throws to running backs when Alex Smith was the quarterback. Um, we didn't see a whole lot of running. We saw a lot of passing, but it was all short and intermediate stuff. Everybody wanted to blame that on Alex, and to some extent that was true, but it was also the scheme that Andy Reid was playing. And once he had a guy who had the ability to take the top off a defense, which is something that Alex wasn't really that good at, let's be fair and honest about that, um, when he has a guy that can do that, it kind of changed Andy Reid's approach to the game. And uh, now that he recog- now that the rest of the league has recognized that and figured out ways to counter it, now it's time to go back to something that's more like an original West Coast offense. And I think that's what we saw on Sunday uh, is Reed returning to his own roots uh, in the West Coast offense. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point. And I and I think when, when we saw what the Chiefs were able to do from 2018 to 2020, you, you sort of said to yourself, well, we can't ever go, to, go back to that. The problem with that is teams were able to finally adjust after mm-hmm. 900 yeah. and some odd days, 1000 days of time. Right. Mm-hmm. So now you go back to it a little bit more. What'll be the beauty and, and where Patrick Mahomes can really live and have success in his career is if he can start to shift gears when the defense presents, okay, we're going to adjust to your Alex Smith game. Now I'm going to go back to original Mahomes, which you saw mm-hmm. a little bit and where he, you know what he saw Daryl Williams one-on-one down the field. Maybe it could have been a pick, but he saw one-on-one coverage, and he's going to give Darrell Williams a chance. And he's probably glad he did because he was able to bring down the catch. And and I think that the 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 beauty of it, and where Mahomes is going to be the best player in the world again, and and challenge Tom Brady at the end of this thing, is if he can switch here, there, go back to where he was. Okay, the defense is showing this. Maybe I'll play a little bit more out of structure in this game. Okay, mm-hmm. you guys are really going to play us like this. All right, I'm going to hang there in the pocket. And that, that bleeds into my next marinade to take away. And that's the idea. And, and this, this tweet that I sent out got a lot of likes. Uh, it was just saying that we focus so much on Patrick Mahomes being fixed. I think what you saw finally on Sunday night was just a new Mahomes clicking. Whereas, I don't know if he was mm-hmm. ever broken. It yeah. just was defense's adjusting to what the chiefs did well 
And he had to mentally get back to, okay, well, I need to hang in the pocket. I need to let them, you know, protect me here. I need to really be able to see the field, go through multiple reads, have some confidence working and not really bailing so early and, and, you know, really showing the defense where I'm going to go with the football so they could crash on that player. I think of all the passes that were forced to Josh Gordon at the beginning of this year, where he's basically um, showing them by staring the receiver down where he's going to be going with the football by hanging there in the pocket and working through the reads you're seeing now he can get these guys open. And it's just, it's just grinding and grinding and grinding. And I think you came out on the other end of it. And I, I look at it more of as, as a Patrick Mahomes 2.0, then I do this idea that, mm, oh, yeah. broken Patrick Mahomes is suddenly Patrick Mahomes again. No, I think this could be uh, another version, another iteration of him, which you have to go through. I think that was something that was interesting after the game is, and Andy Reid had noted his analytics guy, Mike Frazier, crunched these numbers. Mahomes went longer than any quarterback at the beginning of his career, which was three years long without a significant slump. And then he hit that, and he, it took him a while to work through it. And he, I think he finally did. Now, what will be the confirmation of this, and this is very important, is doing this against the Cowboys. This is a legitimate team that you could see in the Super Bowl. The Raiders are not. You're not even going to see the, the Raiders in the playoffs, in my opinion. I think there's too much going on with that organization. The Cowboys will certainly be a playoff team. They could be a Super Bowl team. What are you going to do against them? If the Chiefs can get out of this game against a real Super Bowl contender with a win and go into their bye 7-4, and four, my God, what a turnaround this season will be. And you know what? The journalist in me says that's a better story than going 11 and 0. So I'm happy with it, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, any more marinade takeaways from you, John? No, I, I'd just like to say that I agree with you. And I think this has been the, and I, I've made this point before. It seems like I've made this point a thousand times. And so I apologize for making it again. But this has always been what they were going to have to do with Patrick Mahomes is to turn him into some version of an NFL pocket passer, not Alex Smith. Because you don't want Mahomes to lose that edge, that ability to, to scramble when the play breaks down and do those things that we saw during the first couple of years that he played for the Chiefs. You don't want him to lose that. You don't want to coach that out of him. You want to coach him to learn how to use those in the appropriate circumstances. So I completely agree with you. It really wasn't so much a question of, of Mahomes being broken. It was a question of Mahomes struggling through a difficult transition from one kind of one style of play to another style of play. I, you know, while he was, while he was struggling, I kept thinking, why don't they, why don't they, you know, buy Alex Smith a plane ticket and have him come to Kansas city and sit down with Patrick and say, look, Patrick, here's what you're doing wrong here. You know, and maybe they did and they just didn't tell us. You know, I don't know. That's so weird that you say that. Maybe you didn't realize this and I'm not sure if they showed it on the telecast, but Alex Smith was on the drum deck not too long ago. The last Chiefs home game. Who knows if that took place? I, that's a, yeah. an interesting concept. Uh, and maybe that's worth a, que- a question. That's off the beaten path a little bit for, for Andy Reid on, on Wednesday. We might have just ran into a, a possible story there, John. Always thinking. Always got to keep the, the engine going on these stories for ArrowheadPride.com. All right, we've been through Out of Structure. You've heard from the Editor's Show. Now we take our first look at the Dallas Cowboys with the Great British Chiefs Show. This, once again, is Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week. I'll admit, I I love watching the Cowboys. There's something about the Cowboys, just the team in general. Like, I... (laughs) 
like everyone hates the showmanship of it and like this like big pageantry around the cowboys and like look at me this america's game thing this entitlement i quite enjoy it i'm not gonna lie i i i out of all the like the hateable teams in the nfl and there are a few hateable teams that are collectively hated by the community the cowboys just aren't one of them and i don't know if it's with my because of my love affair with tony romo that's the reason for it probably yeah i do i just enjoy what when the cowboys are good the nfl is better in my opinion because they have this bad boy reputation this this hated team in america uh, reputation that i just i just enjoy it's like the patriots the patriots have been so good for so long now that they need to carry on being good so everyone can continue hating them and that that's the it's the same it's a similar sort of situation with the cowboys just carry on being this hated team but anyways i digress this team i find are very similar to the chiefs in terms really? of what they can produce offensively. They are so loaded on the offensive side of the ball mm. that they can go toe-to-toe with absolutely anyone. Matt Ryan went into Sunday in electric form, was playing mm. really well the last month or so, well worthy of all the praise that he was getting, and the Cowboys just blew that team away. Offensively, defensively, special teams – they just dominated them. That game was over by half time. Yes, you can point to the week before when they lost to the Broncos and actually got battered by the Broncos. Let's be honest, they were 30 0 down and the Cowboys scored two garbage time touchdowns to make that look like a respectable score. Let's just put that down to a slump. Let's put that down to a bad week. I'm not being funny. We sit here and support a team that has just had a bad few weeks. Do we sit here and say, oh, the Chiefs are a, a really, really bad team? No, they were in a slump. That's all it was. And the Cowboys had a bad week against the Broncos. It happens. What we saw on Sunday is the real Cowboys. And that team is absolutely loaded everywhere. And when I sit here, and I pointed this game out two months ago as the as the game of the season, a potential game of the, game of the season. And in my opinion, I put it in the rankings yesterday, this has the potential on Sunday to be an all-timer, like Chiefs versus Rams in, in LA a couple of years ago. It's got the potential to be an offensive delight on Sunday, and I just cannot wait. It's one of those games where I don't really care who wins, as long as it's a great game, because I just feel like it's, it's, it's going to be one of the best games we're going to see in years. You can see what you're saying about the rosters. I mean, the roster clearly on the on the Cowboys side is like you said, very much loaded. Um, you know, C.D. Lamb seems to be coming into his own now. Yeah. Mari Cooper, he crops up now and again with some good players. They've got a decent tight end as well, um, which, you know, I can, I can almost see where, what you're seeing, kind of like a mirror image of the Chiefs and the Cowboys. Oh, but... No, no, it's not. Yeah, it's a mirror, but I, I take the Cowboys pass catchers over the Chiefs pass catchers because they have free legitimate, free legitimate, great pass catchers the Chiefs you can argue have two in Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill where the Cowboys have got Gallup Cooper and CD Lamb that trio is probably the best trio in the NFL you can make an argument for Antonio Brown Mike Evans and Chris Godwin over in Tampa but outside of that there's not a team with more loaded receiving options than the Cowboys Ezekiel Elliott can catch passes out the backfield. Tony Pollard can catch passes. That Prescott can move the football in the air and with his legs. This team is an offensive delight. I'm just a bit gutted that the team that's the person running 
that team is Mike McCarthy because we saw what Mike McCarthy done to Aaron Rodgers for years where he kind of made Aaron Rodgers not as good as he should be. And I kind of hope that Mike McCarthy isn't going to be the reason that the Cowboys offense doesn't live up to his expectations. It hasn't gone that way so far. They've done very well. They scored 43 against the Falcons. They scored 35 against the Patriots. They, they are scoring points. I just hope that they can keep it up. Maybe have a week off this Sunday, but after that, go on another run because they are such a fun team to watch. Just looking on the other side of the ball, the defensive side, um, the players, again, they, they almost match up to the Chiefs again with the star-studded talent that they've got on the roster, mm-hmm. isn't it? Because, um, you know, they've got uh, Jaron Curse, who's uh, safety, you know, one of their star safeties that they've got there playing really well at the moment. Um, and, you know, they've got uh, Michael Parsons, who I rate quite highly. I really like yeah. Michael Parsons, um, the way he's been playing. Where do, you stand on, um, where do you stand on him wearing number 11? <laughs> like, that's... It doesn't feel right. It doesn't, does it? No. No, I've got this issue with um, the the change of numbers and stuff that they've been Mm. they've been doing recently. That you know, allowing them to have lower numbers and that's nah, it doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't feel right. It's it's the same with like that taunting uh, rule (laughs) that they brought up as well. I hate the taunting rule and I hate the number changes. Just change them back. The Cowboys, you wait till you watch the Cowboys on Sunday. There are single digits everywhere all over that defense. It's just, it's just like, you honestly feel like you're watching a football slash soccer game. Like it is on a Sunday, yeah. Sunday morning. There's so many one to 11s walking around. It's just, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. But that defense is, is playing pretty well. Obviously the Chiefs have got a break with Randy Gregory. I don't know if he's been put on IR officially yet, but he's got an injury and looking like he's going to be out on Sunday. So the, the tackles have maybe got, um, an easier game of it than they did against the Raiders, but they do have some monsters on that defense that are making plays. They are turning the ball over. They are getting the the ball back for their offense. So there is a it's a tough tough game, and I do I see similarities in the overall roster. Uh, I do feel like they have better weapons in Dallas outside of obviously Kelsey and Hill, but I just just think this is going to be one of those games where coaching might matter. And I trust Andy Reid more than I do Mike McCarthy. So, should we look at the ones to watch, mate? I'll go first. Cowboys. I'm looking at Trevon Diggs. Eight interceptions in nine games so far this year, and he's taken two of those back to the house. Playmaker. Absolutely. Playmaker. (laughs) He reminds me a little bit of Marcus Peters in the whole of, like, all or nothing type of uh, cornerback. Like. He just, I, I love watching him play. I do. And to have eight interceptions in nine games is absolutely crazy. What he's on, he's on course for 14 or 15. And like, do you know the last, the last time anyone got more than 11 interceptions or more than 10 interceptions was all the way back in 1982. Yeah, 1982. The last, and that was a former Cowboys cornerback himself in Everson Wall. So like he's, on to break some records obviously we hope that he doesn't (laughs) add to his tally this weekend but like it just makes i i I love watching a defense that has a playmaker like that yeah every time the ball goes in the air there's an there's a potential that that particular player is going to come down with it and the chiefs we haven't had that player since marcus peters like we've no. had some good cornerbacks and had some very good players in the secondaries, like especially like in Tyron Matthew, but we haven't had that 
true ball hawk, that that one defender that you know that every time they go up for the pass, whether to defend it or catch it, they're probably going to come down with it. So, yeah, it must be exciting for Cowboys fans knowing that they've got that particular play on defence. Um, my, my one to watch for the Cowboys, I'm going C.D. Lamb. Um, yeah. I, 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 the Cowboys won, didn't they? Out of that, those three receivers selected in close um, proximity in, in the year they got drafted, what was it, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, and um, obviously Henry Ruggs, the, the yeah. Cowboys won that. They they definitely yeah. won that. This 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 man is ridiculous, and it obviously helps when he's got Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup on the same team, and it obviously makes his life a little bit easier. But forty seven receptions this year, seven hundred and twenty six yards, six touchdowns, averaging fifteen point four yards um, a reception. Like they're all just they're good numbers. They're not the best numbers, but they're just all good. And you just know what you're going to get out of him. You know, you're going to get a solid performance and Mm -hmm. the cornerbacks of the Chiefs have played really well recently, especially like in the case of Jerry Sneed and Rashad Fenton, but they're going to have their hands full against those three receivers on Sunday. And um, if one of them can manage to lock down CD Lamb, then the Chiefs stand a really good chance of winning this game. Yeah. For the Chiefs, I've gone for the one and only Daryl Williams, who, after his heroics against the Raiders, mm. um, I thought, you know what, if we have another game like that from him, um, you know, he's really going to put stamp his authority on this on this running back call room, hasn't he, really? It, it's refreshing to see the Chiefs using a running back in that, in, in you know, in the receiving element of the game mm-hmm. now. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing if we continue that into this next game, especially against an opponent like the Cowboys, because their defence... They're no slumps. No, definitely not. And it'd be interesting to see if Clyde Edwards actually makes his way back into this team this week. Um, Reed said last Friday, last Friday that he was a bit away. So they might yeah. maybe give him one more week, knowing that we've got the bye week to come after this game. That there's probably no point risking Edwards mate, getting fresh back in a, in two or three weeks' time. So yeah, Daryl Williams, I'm I'm up for him having a big game. And obviously him to have a big game depends on my one to watch. And my one to watch is probably I'm you might think it's a bit boring, but I'm going Patrick Mahomes. He he like I, I want to see it again for Mahomes. I, I want to know was it because the Raiders didn't play cover two all the time? Is that why Mahomes found more success? I want to know if it, it was just a flash in a pan performance. Will we see Mahomes go back? Back to having some happy feet. Will we see the execution not be as clean as it was on Sunday night? The Chiefs haven't been a great home team of re- of, of late. So will, may, will they produce at home? So I, I think he will be fine, Mahomes. I think he's out of it now. I do think it was a confidence thing with him. And as we talked about earlier, they've got their swagger back. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I... I in a game which is promising to be a points fest with two very, very good quarterbacks and two very good receiving cores, I'm hoping and predicting, should we say, that Patrick Mahomes is going to be the one that comes out on top. Are you thinking it's going to be a bit of a shootout, do you think, on this game? Yeah, I think I think there's going to be lots of points scored, yeah. but I also think there's going to be a lot of big defensive plays, Yeah, which sounds contradictory, contradictory but... These offenses are going to score at will almost, yeah. but it's only going to be like three or four defensive plays that are going to make the difference. And it might be a sack. It might be an interception. And when we do see these defensive plays, they're going to have be so huge and so impactful in the game that they're going to be memorable. Like the, the Aaron Donald 
plays on Patrick Mahomes in the 54-51. Like, yeah. They're like him turning the ball over a couple of times. They were memorable plays because they mattered in the end result. And I feel like some defensive players, there's going to be a defensive player or two that's going to put their name in lights on Sunday because the, the the audience for this t- this particular game is going to be massive. Like they're, they're Every week they're saying that the Fox game of the week is breaking records in terms of numbers. This particular game in terms of viewing audience is going to be huge yeah I, it's, an, it's yeah. going to be an all-timer mate it's going to be an all-timer that's why yeah I'm, it's going it to be. be one of the great games what 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 for you bk what what is this game signified to you uh as this may be their toughest test yeah for me this is your last pass fail uh the rest of the season you got denver Vegas, Chargers, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Denver. None of those teams, at this point in the season at least, I don't think any of them are viewed as legitimate Super Bowl contenders. I think like three, four weeks ago, we would have had the conversation about the Chargers and maybe we would have viewed that differently. At this point, I don't think they're viewed in that ilk. So this is the last time that you're going up against a legit Mm. Super Bowl contender this year. And so far, you've gone up against Baltimore. You lost. You went up against Buffalo. Lost. Tennessee lost. Green Bay had the chance to be one of those games, but then Jordan Love started for him. I can't count that win as going up against a legit Super Bowl contender when Aaron Rodgers wasn't even in the game. This is your last chance to really convince people that you can beat quality opponents, Ron. And so going into this one, it's a pass-fail for me. This isn't about style points. If your defense gives up 41 and you score 42, that's fine. If you end up winning this 17-13, all right, I'll still have some questions about the Chiefs' offense moving forward, but you will have proven to me, and I think to uh, national media alike, you can go out there and against the best of the best, and the Cowboys are right up there with the best of the best in this league right now. You can beat them head-to-head on any given Sunday. And right now, I think you can make a legitimate case if you're somebody that's skeptical of the Chiefs still, that they have not done that. They haven't shown that they can do that. This is their chance to do so on Sunday. Mm, see, really, see mm, that's interesting. You, you, think, you think the Chiefs are in real need to prove to, to people that they are that they can be good teams. Like you think they're. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What have we been talking about all season? They haven't done it yet. They, they, yeah. I don't I, Yeah. I don't, I frankly, I don't give a damn about if they, to people, do you think, because to me, it's just the, the chiefs themselves, because I don't, I don't know that it matters to people I, for, for them. For, for me, it's, I would, I would wonder, do the chiefs inside, because of the experience and what they've done, they've been to back-to-back Super Bowls. Do they believe they can beat good teams? Do I they think there's be- a lingering question inside. I think in the right, past, so that, so that more makes sense. If they, sure. if this is one they need to prove to themselves, do you do you not believe last week? So you don't believe last week was a move to prove to themselves that they can beat a quality team. They go on the road. This is for first place, a team in the Raiders that have been winning. Like, I don't think the Raiders are on this par, right, with the, with the Cowboys. But I do think they're a good football team. They played them on the road. They were ready and jacked for that. Like, you think you think there is doubt within the Chiefs. I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if I believe that. I, I, I don't know I'm, how there couldn't be. Like, at this point in the season, if you go into the playoffs, in the past, even if you got down early, this team knew – 
we've got what it takes to come back even against the best of the best. That hasn't shown up this year, man. It just hasn't been the case. They get down early against these quality opponents and it's over. And that's what's changed for this year's Chiefs team compared to years past is there was never a time where you felt like a game was over. And yet this year you lose by 18 at home against Buffalo. You lose by 24 on the road at Tennessee. This has been different. And there's no way that we can look at it as anything but different. The offense hasn't been the same up until this week. And this was a huge step, Ron. Absolutely. This was a big step in the right direction. And I'm not trying to um, put down what they were able to accomplish against Vegas. That was a huge, huge win. And they had to have it. And they looked awesome in that game. It was the first time I've enjoyed and had fun from start to finish in a Chiefs game probably all year long. And it was the first time they played well all around all year long. That being said... Against a quality opponent like the Cowboys, or if you get into the playoffs and you're playing the Bills or the Titans or the Ravens, yeah, I think there would be some lingering doubt if they get down early as to whether or not they're going to be able to come back in that game. I don't think that existed the last couple of years. And if you don't beat the Cowboys on Sunday, I don't know how you remove that from the equation. So for me, and I would assume within that locker room, that's something that Sunday represents. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Serta. Yeah, like think back to the 2019 playoff game against the Houston Texans where like down big early, everything going wrong for Kansas City and nobody was ever worried about that game, right? And then the Chiefs just rattled off 40 points in a row or however many it was. And that's because you had faith that they could do all of those things. And that's how we came into this season thinking, well, they always figure it out. Patrick Mahomes always figures it out. Like BK said, last week was the first week all season. I've been hosting these post-game shows for Arrowhead Pride every single week. That was the most fun post-game show I've had all season because it was the first game this year where they didn't do frustrating stuff, where they didn't do things where even if they got a win, where you still like you didn't come out of that game being like, well, I just don't know if they're any good. Like You came out of that game being like, okay, they're still good. And they can still put this together and they can still figure this out. But I don't think the Raiders are quite as good as I thought they were at the beginning of the season. So it's still a quality win, but this is the one that matters. This is the one that's going to decide how I think about them the rest of the year. See, I want to specify what I'm thinking is like, I'm talking like, I don't like, I don't think within that locker room, there was, there's the doubt. There's not the belief that they can beat anybody. Like I mean, I, before I think, last week, though, they looked broken, man. I, I, I know at times. They were not I, I having know, fun. I know they, they didn't look like they were having fun, but I don't think there was a – like, I don't think there was a sitting around there where they're like, man, I don't – man, I don't think we can – I don't think we can beat the bill, the Bills. I don't, know. I don't think it was said out loud, but I think it was understood. I, yeah, I think I, that team had a lack of confidence, and I think I, they I, needed I, that performance to get it back. Listen, I, I think last week helped big time. But I like as we sit right here, like I don't believe inside the locker room because of everything that you just talked about. Like they they lived that in 2019. They lived being down to the Texans and then being down to the Titans and then being down to the Niners. And they, like they've they they played so many games together. There is still that let us here, let us just get into the tournament. We know what we can do. We know we've been here before and we know when the lights shine and, and get going, we'll, we'll get things done. And that's why I think 
last week was the oh damn moment to the other pieces of the league. And then I think even whatever little ounce of confidence or move forward they needed, they did it because it, it's like they were able to do what they got to do and they proved that they could do it and they proved that they can put up 40 points on the board and that teams, all right, if you're going to play us like this, we we got it now. Smart people came together to figure out what it is that we need to do. Andy, Eric, Pat, Travis, all those guys came together. This is what we need to do. And it was like, oh, damn, they can putt now. Like what Happy Gilmore said, oh, Happy learned how to putt. Like they can putt now and they can take like the small stuff, the the, the little stuff, and they can, sh- you know, slow death kill you to 41 points like they did against the Raiders. I think they put that out there. And like, I so I just, I don't know. I just don't know that this group lacked the belief that they can win. Now, I think for us and for other people around, they needed to see the Chiefs do something. But I think if the Chiefs go out there and they played, in two weeks, in three weeks, in four weeks, against the Buffalo Bills, against the Tennessee Titans, against the Ravens, that they have – I don't believe they, they sit there and think, we got to beat the Cowboys to prove for ourselves that we can beat those teams. I think that's already in there. I think maybe, the Cowboys maybe, might have a little it, bit of that. It's fake. Like They might believe that, but it's fake. <laughs> it's not based on anything real what? because this team hasn't sure accomplished anything. No, sure this team, this specific team has accomplished nothing to instill that kind of confidence. It's but irrational. You, you can't just, it's the same thing as Swaggy P putting up a team. three. Okay, that's not fair. Let's not. It is. It's a. It's the irrational (laughs) confidence guy that you would see in the NBA, where yeah, he's going to keep putting up the threes, and he's going to believe that they're going in. There's no reason to believe that it's actually going in. It's based on nothing in reality. I understand they have Patrick Mahomes, and if they do actually get this win on Sunday, hey man, there's real belief and expectations as to what they're going to be doing against these quality opponents. But so far this year, when they've gone up against quality opponents, they have not succeeded. They did not play very well against the Chargers. They got skunked against the Bills. They got absolutely destroyed in the worst loss of Patrick Mahomes' regular season career against the Titans. Those are the quality opponents that you've seen so far on the schedule. This is another one. If they lose this game, Ron, And this is why I think it is so important for them, because in terms of the actual record, it doesn't much matter. It's a non-conference, non-divisional opponent. They do not play into most of the tiebreaker stuff. So this game in the grand scheme of things for the Chiefs doesn't matter a ton. But when it comes to our belief, and I do believe internally their belief, if they're being honest, if you add them on truth serum, uh, I think it matters because this is your last chance to prove yourself against a real contender. If they beat the Raiders last week and then lose to the Cowboys, there's going to be some internal doubt for you, for me, for Serta. If you're being honest with yourself, every one of you listening right now, if they lose against the Cowboys, you're going to say to yourself, and maybe you're not being honest and you're just have the irrational swaggy P confidence. That's fine too. But you'll say to yourself, okay, they did it against the Raiders. They were able to do it for a week. And then we saw them revert back to the team that they had been for the majority of the season. That's the fear. And so if they're able to close that fear, they close that door and they say, we have moved on from that era of what we were for whatever, six, seven weeks. Cool. 
awesome. Now you're coming off of the bye. You're playing against divisional opponents. That's when this team really succeeds. We all know what they're going to do against the Broncos, Raiders, and Chargers. They'll be fine there. I'll, I'll believe. I got to see it on Sunday one more time. Yeah, I, I think you got to see it. But I, but what I, as I continue to reference, like I don't think it's fair to just cue up the Swaggy P type of scenario here because I don't think I think you cannot not allow this group to think back to them being six and four and people saying the same things that they were saying in 2019 when they went on a bad streak and then they turned and then what did they do from that point? They turned it up and won a Super Bowl, right? Like that, and, that team and, didn't have Mahomes. <laughs> like, it's not the same. No, but 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 this is a but this is a group that's been through stuff that has been through a situation oh. where they have they have struggled and then they've had to return. Like this this crew is. I don't think you can just signify and just say this one year they haven't proven themselves. This is a group that's been together for three or four years that has proven to themselves that they can win against anybody on the biggest stage and come back from any deficit. And I can't, and I don't think it, I can't, I don't think it's fair to just say that isn't, that isn't a part of their psyche, right? Like to me, I think they think, all right, let's get one tune up game in. All right, bam, that's, that's us. We know we can turn it. Like, I think it's dangerous. I think they believe they can turn it on and off. We watched them do it all the time last year. And I think they've done a little bit this year. They turn it on and off, and we can go. And we can go because we know we can go. I, I think this is a type of group where you can't take an, uh, you can't ignore these two other Super Bowl runs the last two years that they've made as a group together and the things they've been through. I think they have a huge amount of – you've got a huge amount of confidence when you go to back-to-back Super Bowls and you win one, especially the way that they did it. And there are so many people, especially the core of this group, that were on those teams, the leaders of this group that were on those teams. So I, I, I think that level of confidence inside. Now, to the fans, I think the fans sit there and want to prove something. I think we look there and say, man, they got to beat the Cowboys. Because, because we're being honest. <laughs> we're gonna, no, but I think they're being they're being honest to themselves, too, how they feel. Oh. They got to – I'm telling you, they get to just get us to the – just get us to the playoffs. I think they, they don't care where they play. They don't care who it is. Let's just get us to the playoffs because when big games start, this is, the, I think, the level of confidence they have. And I don't, I wouldn't be surprised by it because of what they've accomplished. Yeah, but I, I agree that they're a confident bunch and, and rightfully so. I think most professional athletes are, are confident, even when it's irrational. This team, maybe, maybe what I was seeing wasn't a lack of confidence. Maybe it was just frustration because it just wasn't working the way that it usually works. And so maybe they were just real frustrated and we mistook that for them losing confidence because they looked plenty confident last week, but this is still uncharted territory for the makeup of this team. Like you were just talking about what this team has done together and what they've accomplished and why they're so confident. Like the start that they have had this year is uncharted territory for them. Patrick Mahomes, this is the worst slump of his career, which you know, maybe last week was the start of him coming out of that and turning things around. But this is still uncharted territory in this game where for the first time in Patrick Mahomes career, this game matters more for the Chiefs than it does the Dallas Cowboys because the Chiefs have to prove this to themselves, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, I think they have to beat this team to, to know that they can do it. I think that's insane. You think that you think you think in this game that the Chiefs 
need to prove more to themselves than the Dallas Cowboys, the Chiefs that yes. have been to the last two Super Bowls that have won big in this I don't know how recently. you can disagree with that. Apparently, we think, maybe, figured things out against the Las Vegas Raiders. It's seeming that way. The defense has put a couple of good games together. That's exactly what the Chiefs needed to do to really prepare themselves for what is going to be this offense versus offense game. And I want to get into that fact, the fact that this could be a complete shootout. But first, I got to ask you about the play of Trayvon Diggs because we have not seen a player and a start like this in a very long time. Reminds me of a lot of a young Marcus Peters in Kansas City, just an absolute nose for the ball. Did you see this coming? Could you have seen this coming? What do you make of Diggs in the season that he's put together? You know, Trayvon last year um, actually led the Cowboys in interceptions with three, and all three of them came against the Philadelphia Eagles, incidentally. And so this year, you know, he had the first interception, obviously, against Tampa, but that was off of a tip ball off Leonard Fournette. And so, you know, the Cowboys lost that game, and afterwards I see, you know, you can't count on that every week, and you can't count on on tip balls and stuff. It's a, it's a little bit luckier, a little bit of a flukier thing than, than anything else, and and Trayvon since then has obviously put together this resume that is really impressive, eight interceptions and counting. And so, I mean, he's he's kind of this all or nothing guy, you know, that that's who he is. He's either, you know, having this insane interception to steal the game back for the Cowboys on the road in New England off of Mac Jones, or he's getting burned by Tim Patrick and the Denver Broncos. And so um, – but but that's that's kind of what the Cowboys are asking him to do is just be aggressive, make make plays on the ball. He's a former wide receiver, in case anybody's unaware. Everybody obviously knows uh, about his brother in that department. But that it you know there hasn't been that kind of guy before. This this just kind of switch that can flip. Um, you know we're we're deep enough into this now that we're starting to see you know some quarterbacks avoid him a little bit. The quarterback to actually break the turnover streak uh, that he had was ironically enough Kirk Cousins, and so. You know, it, it's it's hard to explain, but he um, I don't want to say you, it is all or nothing. I mean, he's a fine player. He, you know, a lot of Cowboys fans wanted him to be the pick in, in, with the first rounder last year before CeeDee Lamb fell. And then they said, OK, fine, you know, we'll move on only for him to fall there in the second. And so he has been um, a breath of fresh air isn't the right way to put it. He's been like, you know, when you're parched and you just you, you drink almost too much cold water and it kind of like the iciness, like burns Brain your throat. Freeze. Yeah, yeah, that's he's that's kind of what he's been. Um, but but you're just kind of leaning into it at this point. Number seven, certainly someone to watch on Sunday. RJ referring to the brother, which is Stefan Diggs of the Buffalo Bills, who the Chiefs have grown to know well over the past few years. I'm gonna put you on the spot here. So Patrick Mahomes comes into this game with 10 interceptions, which already is the second most amount of interceptions he's had in one season. Does it happen? Diggs intercepting Mahomes at Arrowhead. Put you on the spot. What do you think? I don't think it does with Diggs. Okay. I, I I think that the Pat not Pat Patrick, excuse me, there you um, go. is uh, is is too you know he's too good for that. And I know he's obviously had his struggles. I think the only way it does, and again this has happened, is you know you get some sort of tip ball, some sort of you know weird fluky thing. Maybe maybe it's a a, a pass Mahomes is throwing away that Trayvon's you know able to kind of intercept off the out of bounds, keeping his feet in bounds type thing. Um, you know I I think the Cowboys are likely to have a couple of turnovers in this game just based off of who they've been and who Kansas City has been in, you know, so far this season. Uh, but but I don't think that Trayvon's going to be that guy just because an elite quarterback will avoid him, and that's obviously what Mahomes is. You're doing everything right. You complimented the barbecue. You said we can eat it all. I mean, you 
give a nice shout out to Randy. I was voted most courteous my senior year in high school. I don't know if I've ever shared that with you. So, yeah. well, there you go, Ms. Randy. I'm sure, of course, appreciates uh, your sentiment as well. So, good job by you. All right, let's get into what is going to be the key part of this game, and it's offense versus offense. I want to talk about the Cowboys' offense for a second. I'm going to bring up the Denver game again in a second, but what has made them just be this explosive team this year? I would say, other than Dak getting reacquainted, um, I guess I, I should say, with the offense after the injury. What ha- what has led to just them being so good, so efficient? You know, Kellen Moore um, in the first month of the season was kind of asked about the offense's disposition, how they approach things, what their overall game plan is from kind of a 30,000-foot perspective. And he said, we want to aggressively attack what the defense gives us. And I think that you know what's important there is obviously the Cowboys are, are not going in. You know, what the Cowboys of old have done, and I think a lot of people have kind of seen this, is, is they wanted to run the ball, they want to dominate time of possession, they want to win that way. And if they can't, then, then things generally haven't worked out for them. And this Cowboys team is capable of doing anything. If they want to run the ball, they can't. They can run that with you know Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard. If Dak Prescott has to throw the ball forty-five times, obviously he can do that. They have a lot of elite wide receivers. But the the key word and, and what I think we've seen you know really play itself out for the Cowboys has been that that word aggressive. I mean, they are they they want to bury teams. They want to they want to build a wall that you cannot climb over. Uh, and we see that play itself out, how aggressive they are on third down, how aggressive they are on fourth down. They're one of the most aggressive teams in the NFL when it comes to fourth down. Mike McCarthy among the, the league leading coaches when it comes to downs, he should go for it. And we've seen that not really change or turnover, you know, based on results. You mentioned the Denver game. Cowboys went for two fourth downs, fourth and shorts early in that game, didn't get them and still didn't really change any part of their identity. We saw last week against the Falcons, Cowboys block a punt to go up 34 to three right before the half, uh, kick the extra point. But on the attempt, Atlanta has 12 men on the field. Mike McCarthy says, take the point off the board. Book says, go for two. We're going to do it. They are going to be aggressive and, and you know, steer into the skid, so to speak, with their elite offense every opportunity that they get. And I think that when you combine that with the talent that Dak Prescott has and the talent of his wide receivers, the offensive line has been more stable. Tyron Smith has played more, obviously, yeah. than last season. Um, it's just created an interesting eye of the storm that they're living at the center of. According to you, we, we do think he is going to play in this game as well, because I, I know that there's been a question as to whether or not Smith goes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you mentioned it. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Um, and, you know, generally speaking, he's missed the last two games. And this has kind of been who Tyron's been for the last about five years now. You can kind of tell early on Wednesday, the Cowboys are, you know, not really showing their cards, but he's not practicing. And so it's really obvious when he's not going to play and really obvious when he's, he's going to give it a go. And it does seem like this is one of those weeks with, you know, he might be able to play, which is really good news. The Cowboys are a much better, much different team when he's in the fold. Of course, left tackle for those Dallas Cowboys. Okay. I wanted to ask you again about the Denver game because, and I don't mean to keep bringing it up, but this seems to be the only real blemish on what has been a solid year. The other one being opening night, which I know in Kansas city, we love to watch our sports, even when the chiefs aren't playing. So I know a lot of people were watching that game and the Cowboys could have easily won that game as well. So Denver really is to me, the only blemish on what has been a really good season for Dallas. Why did the offense fail that day? Was it just this weird day where they laid an egg or were there some real signs of, okay, this offense can be stopped. You know, um, I think 
you know, it was Dak Prescott's first game in a long time. I, I don't know how, how well aware everyone is of that. Everybody saw, you know, at least saw highlights of the Cowboys winning in New England. They wanted a walk-off touchdown uh, from Dak to CeeDee Lamb, and it was actually that play that Dak Prescott injured his calf. Cowboys were on bye the following week and then went to Minnesota the week after that, and that was when they rested Dak and played Cooper Rush uh, before the Denver game. So it had been a long time since Dak had played, call it rust, if you will. He, he didn't play well. It was one of the worst games of his career, uh, truth be told. A lot of big drops. I mean, Tony Pollard dropped an easy third down conversion. CeeDee Lamb dropped an easy third down conversion. Amari Cooper dropped an easy third down conversion. That's three right there. Um, they, I, I mentioned that they went for it twice early in the game. In fact, their first two possessions on fourth and short, and they didn't get those. Sometimes, sometimes you get them. Sometimes you split them. Sometimes you don't get them. Um, so it was just kind of this, you know, and I, I don't want to take away credit from the Broncos. They won, and, and I don't want to act like it was just the Cowboys, you know, spitting up on themselves. But it was kind of a career worst day for a lot of notable and significantly contributing Cowboys. And so it was just this, this nasty goop that they just couldn't get out of. And so um, sometimes that happens. And I think beyond that, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot, Pete, on the national show, the Cowboys have done, they, they've won a lot of games that I've never seen them win before. And, and one of them was on the road in Minnesota when they rested Dak Prescott, they started Cooper rush. Holy crap. We did it. We, you know, <laughs> we, we beat this Vikings team. And so, I do think that they kind of bought into themselves a little bit. They kind of thought, you know, we're impervious. We can't be caught. We can we can rest Dak Prescott and we can win. And so when when you factor in, you know, that complacency, if you want to call it that, with the career, you know, bad days from so many important Cowboys, it just, you know, and 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 you factor in the fact that Denver played a really good game. It was just a rough afternoon.